0: Hey everybody, Joshua Lewis here with The Remnant Radio. So excited to be with you guys today. We are going to be talking about some very interesting stuff, uh, particularly angels, demons, Book of Enoch, all that fun stuff. John, are you excited about today's episode?
1: I couldn't be more excited. <laughs> no, the, I, actually, I, I am excited about this uh, this particular topic because this is uh, one of those things that, that uh, I think a lot of Christians... Are curious about. I also think they are. Um, I think it will help kind of unpack the the concept of important works that aren't solo scriptura, sure, that aren't part of the canon, but should not be necessarily dismissed.
0: I, absolutely. So this is going to be a really fun episode. One of the reasons that I'm passionate about talking about this um, recently has been reignited because I went to do some evangelism with Joe Odin and uh, Levi and some of those guys that we've had on the show before. Uh, and, and, and full disclosure, I actually filmed for them, so I wasn't actually the one doing evangelism per se. Uh, but in our time there, there were black Hebrew Israelites out there with megaphones, there's about 30 or 40 of them, and it's one of the largest and fastest cult group movements, so we've got like Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, Black Hebrew Israelites, and they're answering these questions. If you go onto Google, if you go onto YouTube, and you ask questions about the Book of Enoch, by and large, you're going to find responses for cult groups. They're going to give you the answers that you want to hear, and unfortunately, that is pulling people and drawing people uh, into those groups, because they are answering questions that the church refuses to answer. Exactly. Exactly. so it's one of the reasons that I'm really passionate about this topic the one the reason that I want to address it uh, and we've got a, we've got a couple of areas that we could explore today i think what i'd like to do is discuss a few things about angelology up front so that we kind of have a modern uh, or, or may not a modern, but a, a consistent uh, language when we're talking about this subject, because these words mean a lot of different things to different people. So kind of uh, establish a rubric of, of thinking, and then we can dive into the book of Enoch and talk about the things that I like, the things that I hate, uh, why uh, why we should use it, how we should use it, if we should use it, all of those things uh, Together, so uh, let's dive into this. If you guys are following, I've got a couple of scriptures that you can follow along with. I'll give you most of them right up front. Uh, Galatians, I'm not say Galatians, Genesis chapter six, one through four, uh, Deuteronomy thirty-two, Job chapters one and two, and Job chapter thirty-eight. Finally, the book of Jude, which is one chapter. Uh, Those are the primary scriptures that we will be looking at when when coming into this topic. Uh, I would encourage you, if you guys are listening... A great primer on this discussion is a man by the name of Michael Heiser. Michael is a linguist and one of the foremost linguists on the planet. He's a he's a great guy. Uh, I listen to his podcast regularly. He's got some in depth insight on this topic. He's not one of these Pentecostal charismatic guys who who jumps in and starts having conversations with demons. And because of that, he's written all this angelology. He is a linguist. He is committed to biblical scripture. And, and because of that, I believe that he has a firm foundation of this kind of teaching. Now, I would encourage you guys, if you're listening to what we're talking about today, um, go home, study this yourself. Uh, 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 make sure that everything that I am saying can be found and affirmed in the scriptures. If not, toss it out. Okay, Um, we we personally have a very high view of Scripture on Remnant Radio. And I I would hope I would hope (laughs) Paul's like I speak in tongues more than any of you. It's right up there. I've used Scripture more highly than any of you. Um, So so uh, I say that to say uh, I'd really encourage you guys to make sure these things are rooted in Scripture. We are not for those of you who are worried are not going to be talking about experiences today. We're not going to be talking about casting out demons today and our experiences with that. We're not going to be talking about angelic visions we've had. Uh, none of those things are going to enter into this conversation. We are not going to build a doctrine based off of the book of Enoch. We are not going to build a doctrine based off of other apocryphal or Gnostic gospels that are out there. We are only going to use scripture to, uh, I think, rightly define what the Bible talks about angels uh, and demons so forth and so on i do think there is intentional um ambiguity in some of these scriptures uh and i think that's because we don't need to know i think that the scriptures are sufficient in what they provide uh so so let's let's dive into it okay Genesis chapter six is the first uh, topic that many of you are or the first scripture that many of you are going to be very familiar with. There's a couple of takes on this verse, and I'm going to give you the two primary takes of this verse, Okay, Chapter six. It says, uh, "When man began to multiply on the face of the land, and the daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they looked uh, and they, they took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, "My spirit shall not in, abide in men forever." For he is flesh, his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also after, afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of man and were born to them. These were the mighty men uh, who were of old, the men of renown. So, in this text, uh, the sons of God see that the daughters of men are beautiful. Now, here are two primary takes on this passage one is the sons of God are angels. The second take is the sons of God is a reference to the descendants of Seth. Cain and Abel were were offering sacrifices to the Lord. One sacrifice was accepted, one sacrifice was denied. When that took place, Cain kills Abel. So the righteous seed has been has been killed and this unrighteous seed through murder, through deception has now taken over, right? So Cain is is the the eldest son on the earth. But then God provides a second son, an uncursed son to Adam and Eve by the name of Seth. So the idea is that the sons of God are the the holy or the righteous seed of Adam through the descendants of Seth. That is the other approach to this text. Uh, The the key verse that people would rest on for this is my spirit shall not abide in man forever. The punishment of the sons of God looking at the daughters of men, that the daughters of men are descendants of Cain, that they intermarried. And because of that, God uh, brought destruction, flooded the earth, cleansed man of their sinfulness. I um, have a couple of issues with that interpretation. Uh, first of all, there there was no commandment of God to man not to intermarry. Um, if anything, I would say that that's probably encouraged. Um, uh, and, and secondly, if they are righteous seed, and that's why they're called the sons of God, why did they intermarry with sinful women? So that's that's not really the primary text that I would go for. Um, uh, in primary interpretation I would say that the Sons of God, the phrase Sons of God, is historically used in the Old Testament, only referencing angels. In the Old Testament, look up in a blue-letter Bible, Sons of God. You will see uh, uh, six total accounts. Uh, you'll see Genesis 6-2, Genesis 6-4, Deuteronomy 32, Job 1-6, Job 2-1, and Job 38-7. Every single account of the Sons of God in the Old Testament in Hebrew Every single time that phrase is used, it is referencing angels 100% of the time. Uh, There's not a single reference in all of the Old Testament that references sons of God when it's not angels. Um, Job thirty-eight seven talks about when God lays the foundations of the earth. He's actually mocking Job. He's saying, "Don't you know? Didn't you know uh, that when I created this, were you there? Who counsels God?" Da 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 da. And he's talking about all this stuff. And he says, "The angels, the sons of God, were singing out when I laid the foundations. When I created things, they sang for joy." Uh, Job two verse one and Job one one verse six says the sons of God presented themselves before God in this council chamber. This uh, what we will call the divine council, and we'll get to there in a sec. And then in Deuteronomy. 32, there is a reference of God dividing the nations at the Tower of Babel according to the sons of God, that he divided the nations according to the sons of God. So there's a, a, a specific amount of angelic bodies, and he divided the nations according to the number of these angelic bodies. Um, uh, there's This is a lot of information. Again, if you guys are listening to this, hearing this, Michael Heiser is a great Place to go listen to all this stuff because again he's a linguist and then make sure to take diligent notes. I, I'm, I'm rambling a little bit, no, John. Do you, you're do you, doing great. Do you have any thoughts or, or pinholes that you want to poke, poke in this thus far?
1: Uh, no, I, I um, the the whole concept of whether or not uh, these are referring to angels or not. I think uh, there there are definitely some opinions out there that would say that they're that they're either humans possessed by fallen angels or yep. they are as you were saying earlier, the descendants of Seth. But I think it, it it's pretty clear, uh, at least according to our study um, and and what we were able to determine, which is not just us studying, you know, one-on-one. We're, we're always, as we talked about on previous episodes, uh, one of the important things that we do here is we take the whole counsel of Scripture plus what the trusted knowledge, knowledgeable and studied and learned, uh, voices in the church have to say, plus historically what the church has, uh, looked at, at these issues as. So this is something that, that comes from a, a culmination of, and I think one of the, the scariest parts, uh, of any kind of pushback, um, is, is that someone is just, you know, reading English only and saying, this is what this means and, and this is all that this could mean. So just a, a an admonition to those of you that are going to be studying this out for yourself please please do diligence do your homework study to show yourself approved a workman who needeth not be ashamed rightly dividing that's what we do and uh, that and the reason that we do it and and I want to echo what Josh said at the beginning of the program the the voices speaking out on this uh, are cultic voices and so uh, to bring a balance to this, typically this uh, conversation is just tossed from the Christian perspective because it's apocryphal writing. It's not sola scriptura. It's not in the canon. We're not going to look at it. We don't even care. Its its existence is irrelevant. And today <clears throat> we're saying it's not. Um, there's something to 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 uh, to look at this, not uh, elevate it to authoritative uh, scripture uh, and and you know like you were saying earlier create a, a doctrine of, of enoch um but it is definitely some i mean this book has been around uh it was discovered in the dead sea scrolls um in its entirety for the first time in several i don't know thousand years
0: uh Hundred so years? so the the ethiopian thousand, book of yeah. enoch has actually been around since 300 uh, B.C. So before yeah. Christ, about about three to four hundred years before Christ, yeah. they had a record of it, and then uh, manuscripts portions of uh, of First Enoch are found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah. I think it's eleven separate slivers, if you will, and they're yeah. not full texts, but they're kind of proof texts that that kind of when brought up against the Ethiopian Book of Enoch can be Validated, verified. Yeah, uh, which, some, which some is what a lot of the
1: Dead Sea Scrolls are, with the exception of the Book of Isaiah, which right. was in its entirety. Uh, which predated by i don't know how many hundreds of years uh the 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 oldest known manuscript and so uh this is something that it's definitely been around a long time Uh, jude references it um but in saying that that doesn't make it authoritatively scriptural and divinely inspired. And we'll,
0: we'll get into that in, yeah. in, in two seconds. I want to make sure that we, we again, establish a foundation of what angels are, what these sons of God are. I think one of the greatest proof texts that the sons of God are indeed angels is actually found in the book of Jude. Um, it's in Jude 6 and 7. Again, one chapter, it's two verses. Uh, here in 6 and 7, it says, And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling. Uh, he has kept in eternal change under God, Gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Now, for those of you who don't know, this idea of angels who have left their abode being held in chains is a reference to the book of Enoch. It is not a direct quote, but the only place that we can find this idea of angels in chains in First Peter and in Jude, where are they referencing this? Where are they finding this information? That information is actually in the book of Enoch. Uh, he, he does directly quote them in verses 14 and 15, um, but he is referencing them here. So he says this. He says that they've left their, their abode. Uh, it says they're held under uh, uh, darkness until the day of judgment. And then he says this, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities were likewise indulging in sexual immorality, wait a second, were the angels just falling out of heaven or were the angels also indulging in sexual immorality? According to Jude, they were angels who left their proper dwelling and participated in sexual immorality. And this is what it says, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities were likewise indulging in sexual immorality and Pursued and uh, unnatural desires, or some some translations will say uh, other flesh. Right? It says other flesh. That's uh, sarcos uh, heteros, and it says uh, serves as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. So man received judgment, and angels received judgment for having this um, unnatural union and relationship. So here here are a couple of statements. I'm not saying that these are authoritative statements. It's it's what I perceive of Scripture uh, up to this point, that I believe that there were m- either multiple fallings or one falling in progressive um, depravity, I guess, on the angelic bodies. So there are two views that could be taken. One is a third of the angels fell with Satan, pre-Genesis 1 and 2 Mm -hmm. that's that is a distinct possibility and I think it's probably the majority view uh, of Christendom is that most Christians would believe that a third of the angels fell the only verse we have for a third of the angels falling is in in Revelation chapter 12 when it talks about Satan and a third of his angels being cast out of heaven it also talks about in that chapter that we overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony and that he's cast out of heaven and because he knows his time is short so I believe that Revelation 12 is a future event. So I don't know if all one-third have already fallen. What I do know is that angels have free will and that angels fell. It means, in my mind, that up until um, Revelation 12 takes place in the future, that angels could still progressively be falling, potentially. And again, I, I have a few verses I could use for that. I know yeah. we, we discussed that on the phone, and, and you were yeah. like, Josh, this is this is... More unique than uh, I think some some would take it
1: well I, I i don't know that that necessarily there's there's error in that it's it's an opinion mm-hmm. uh, it's a view and and again, you know wanting to push back on um, people who would approach this and more taking from a devil 's advocate perspective of saying you know well it, it, the angels uh, it, sons of God couldn't be referring to angels because angels don 't have sexual uh reproductive systems. Well, show me where it says they don't.
0: Yeah, there's there's a verse, and then we
1: can talk. Yep. And again, referencing that uh, the the passage in Jude where it says, "Like Sodom and Gomorrah, this is why they were put in chains." Right. So, um, I want to I, I want to take whatever the potential pushback is, or whatever the potential questions are that we have today. And again, we're we're talking about these things because it is these very types of things that people use to punch holes in the gospel when they say, well, your scripture contradicts itself, and you guys can't even agree on blah, blah, blah. And so by tackling these, what would seem to be obscure, relatively non-salvific essential texts, it's to bring a cohesiveness to to the whole of scripture, so that as we are... Uh, rightly proclaiming the good news uh, we are the we we are educated enough and studied enough that we can take on and and talk with even the most ardent i 'm going to get you i 'm going to trap you i 'm going you know even Jesus had to face that with with people <laughs> who were in the Jewish faith who were really really studied and they and it says multiple times in the Gospels they tried to trap him. And uh, you know the devil's tactics haven't changed, and and I talk with people all the time out on the street when we're sharing the gospel with them, and and they want to bring these things up. Uh, and Josh, you know, earlier referenced that that we want to try to avoid people hearing these louder, more prominent voices because they're they're full of error. Uh, but I don't know if you have. I've personally encountered people bringing stuff up like this. Oh yeah, and I want to be able to. Uh, as scripture says, present a good defense. That's not just John three sixteen and what does that mean? That's every hole that anybody ever wants to try to punch in anything.
0: Well, the Bible mentions
1: it. It does. And if the Bible yeah. mentions it, it's it's,
0: it's sufficient, right? The Bible wants yeah. us to know about these specific things. Exactly. I think that, you know, there are a few uh, Concepts. So we talk about angels. Again, I, I believe you said reproductive organs, those kinds of things. We pull that from the story of Jesus where he says, do you not know? Because the, the, the Sadducees who don't believe in the resurrection are talking about the, the woman who marries all seven brothers. Yeah. Whose wife will she be in the resurrection? Right. And he goes, don't you know there will be no giving in marriage? We'll be like the angels. Well, let's just consider this. Jesus is male. Okay, He has male reproductive organs. Right. Then he goes to heaven. He is still male. But he will not be given in marriage. Right. Obviously, there's the marriage supper of the Lamb, which is an allegorical A approach. But yeah. there is no, uh, there will be no sexual relations right, right. with Jesus in the New right. Jerusalem. So so just like Jesus will post, not be post given millennium. in marriage. Yes.
1: yes, post-millennium.
0: Will not be given yes. in marriage. I think he's referencing the same, that there's something about our glorified state that will, will not require uh, sexual desire, sexual pleasure inside of man. Or
1: reproduction.
0: No, no necessity for ca- reproduction. But
1: the capacity is yeah. still there. The glorified body doesn't change gender.
0: Which I think is one of the reasons you that know. this is such an abominable offense in right. the eyes of God. Is exactly. Because they are trading natural desires for immoral ones. That's why it was such an abominable offense.
1: And with this being part of the, the flood narrative, mm-hmm. if, if that is the case and that is the, the interpretation for this, um, it it would be one of the more significant issues, which I think we'll get into later, where... where um, the the new testament the early church leaders, the disciples were saying listen as as we get into this, we are going to make sure that those who are coming of faith don't do these specific right. things we'll reference that later and and I think that'll help even led, uh, lend more credibility to this being uh, an angelic interaction with humanity
0: so so we've got those verses. I think one important uh, uh, piece of information for our audience is is what are angels doing i've been asking this question for a while and have found a couple of pretty good resources they're sitting
1: on heart where they're sitting on
0: clouds with harps with and, diapers and yes yeah and, it's beautiful and little,
1: yes that's what so, that's what
0: all angels do um insert satire for those of you who don't have that Massive bone in your body Satire. Um, deuteronomy 32 7 through 9 i think is the best representation of what angels do yeah. according to hebrews chapter 1 verse i believe it's verse 4 it says are not all angels ministering spirits uh, sent to administer salvation to God's elect. And I'm paraphrasing there. You can go look, look up that verse. But Deuteronomy 32, 7 through 9 says this Remember the days of old. Consider the years uh, of many generations. Ask your fathers, and he will show you. Your elders, and they will tell you. Uh, when the Most High gave to the nation their inheritance, when he divided mankind. When did God divide mankind? And this is Deuteronomy 23. When did God divide mankind? Tower of Babel. Tower of Babel. Okay, so we're on the same page. Uh, And he said, He fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. There's that phrase again. Uh, But the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, his allotted inheritance. Okay, so there is one translation that I'm aware of. It's the NIV that says, he, He numbered them according to the sons of Israel. Uh, that comes from I think the Septuagint opposed to the Masoretic text, mm-hmm. and Michael Heiser would propose that that was an attempt to again uh, divide some of this this angelic revelation of of who, as an as an attempt to avoid the natural interpretation. However, I do believe um, we can prove through scripture that God, these sons of God in Deuteronomy 32, were. Uh, The the prince of Persia was set up over Persia, Mm -hmm. that there was a a principality that was placed over Greece and over Asia Minor and over uh, Africa and over these geographical regions, and they were supposed to administer salvation to God's elect, but they didn't do it properly. So we see here in Psalms 82, God has taken his place in the divine council in the midst of the gods. He holds judgment. Now, some people would say this is lowercase God, but again, like a, like false gods. But but this word Elohim is referencing godly or heavenly beings, right? So he he, he sits him him uh, amongst the Elohim is what it says, verse two. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Say law. So God is speaking to these Elohim. You're doing a bad job. Uh, give justice
1: well, and and telling you to ponder it yes. with Selah. Like, this is not something that you just breeze over, and it's just part of the narrative. This is something that he actually wants you to ponder.
0: If these were stone gods or stone images, he wouldn't be speaking to them like this. right? Um, he continues, and he says, Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy to deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk in darkness all the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you are gods, sons of the most high, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall uh, like any prince. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. So here's this image of these Elohim, these lesser, these not God gods, but these heavenly beings who are ruling over regions and we see that prince of persia in daniel uh, chapter 9 as a proof text Um, that god sends an angel there's a principality or spirit over this region that that resists that angel going to daniel Um, so so this is this is i believe what these angelic bodies are doing and from that place it looks like multiple times throughout history these angelic bodies have come down to have relations with men you could say it happened in uh genesis uh Chapter 19, well, okay, so first of all, Genesis 6 with um, the Noah account, right? We see the Nephilim there, and possibly even Genesis 19 in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah because Jude references that they participate in participated in uh, 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 strange flesh. Uh, This is actually the gospel coalition, which is a, a, a deeply biblically rooted organization posted an article recently that I read talking about one of the possible interpretations for Genesis 19 is not the sin of homosexuality because it's not listed anywhere else except for Genesis 19, but it was actually the sin of having relationships with angelic bodies. So, um, go reference that. Look that up yourself. I'm not saying that that's a definitive answer, but I am firmly believing that this is. Uh, I say firmly. I say loosely. If someone gives me a better position, I'm I'm, I'm going with that. But but as I can see scripture right now, um, I, I see it that these angelic bodies are ruling and reigning on some level over the earth. They have done an unfaithful job. They have fallen. God is judging them, and that He will inherit all the nations unto Himself in the last days. So again, Michael Heiser is a good place to look for that. But now let's transition a little bit. Now we're kind of 30 minutes into the program and talk about the book of Enoch and how it relates to that. So again, I think we proved that angels are the sons of God. We didn't get that from the book of Enoch. We found that in scripture. Uh, Secondly, that they had relationship with men. Again, we didn't get that from the book of Enoch. We got that in scripture. However, the book of Enoch by and large addresses this narrative. The entire book is about angels having relationships with men producing offspring and what that and what took place as as a byproduct of that
1: yes yes it is
0: <laughs> jump in there. I, I see, I see you, have, you have a bible verse open no no and... no
1: no no i i was following along so uh no i I, uh, I i i think that's one of the more important things is that is that we're proving this with genesis to revelation yeah. rather than just jumping off the Book of Enoch, but the Book of Enoch is, <clears throat> by and large, uh, you know, we can talk about this a little bit uh, in detail. Um, we, we already discussed that this was uh, well before Christ came on the scene. Um, this book is, was established. It was highly uh, respected by um, Judaism and, and scholars of that, which is why I believe Jude... Uh, And I think you agree. Why Jude was referencing this because he was he was trying to appeal to, uh, just like Paul spoke when he was at Mars Hill uh, address. There there was a couple of times actually when Paul uh, spoke extra biblically, uh, but didn't um, you know speak in it authoritatively. Mm -hmm. Um, We've got um,
0: the Mars Hill account. Yeah, you got the Mars
1: Hill account in Acts. Get and, then you, in Titus. and then you also have the other reference in Titus so uh, that that is um, you know where 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 Paul <coughs> says you know according to your own poet in Acts uh, and then specifically references by name uh, another uh, author and I thought I had it here but um, in my notes but I don't um, so anyways uh yes I do
0: there you go it's yeah. right up there.
1: Yeah. Uh, So anyways, uh, you want to look in Acts 17, uh, 26 through 28. um, And uh, he says here, this is uh, for even your own poets have said, uh, for we are also his children. So he's he's making an argument here and he's referring one of his uh, to to one of their popular poets. Um, And then uh, you also want to look at. uh, Paul says in Titus uh, one of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, "Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons." Uh, so, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with even Jesus did it yeah, in the Gospels
0: outside sources.
1: Yeah, he cited outside sources. He said, "You say, you know, when there when the sky is red." So he he's even quoting, um, you know, modern uh, whatever that. Sky is red, the fish are dead. Or I don't, yeah, I don't know. Hey, what we've that got a question is, from our but... buddy
0: Barry. Uh, Barry, uh, is it Bolus? B O W L U S. Barry has a question: Are we in the days of Noah? Uh, are are we there yet? And what does that mean in your opinion? So he's asking a question about what Jesus said. Jesus said, "As in the days of Noah, so it will so will it be in the in the, the coming of the Son of Man." I'm again paraphrasing. I I think this is your question. Barry, give me a thumbs up if I've nailed your question. Um, uh, Not the answer, but the question. Um, So I I believe that specifically, I I think people will take that and take some of this angelic activity and run with it and say that angels are coming back down, angels are going to have relationships with men again, all this other stuff i'm I'm pretty confident that the passage that that you're asking about Jesus is just talking about the hastening of the day and that it will come so quickly that it will catch people at surprise that Noah is a preacher of righteousness saying that come it's coming it's coming it's coming, and then the judgment comes, and people didn't know it was coming um, even with all of that they thought they had time they thought they had time to repent and change their mind and all this stuff. I believe what he is referencing is not um, the Uh, the, the frequency at which angels come to earth or the frequency at which demonic activity is stirred up. I believe what he's referencing is the coming of judgment and the swiftness of judgment in the context of what he said. Does that mean that angels could come to the earth? I do believe that in Revelation chapter 12, uh, there's because of the preaching of the gospel, because we are pushing back the kingdom of darkness, um, that 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 Satan no longer has dominion in heaven. This is, a, this is a different conversation that maybe we can have on another episode. But it says Satan and a third of the angels are cast down to the earth. And it says, woe to you, O earth, for Satan knows that his time is short. So I do believe that there is a more present uh, coming down of these angelic bodies, that they are more violent, they're more ferocious, uh, that there's going to be no tribulation has ever been uh, since the, the dawn of time. Does that mean that this could happen again? Possibly. I'm not willing to say definitively that I know that to for sure, or if that just means demonic activity is going to uh, be at an all-time high. I'm not sure whether, what that means. So uh, I hope that answers your question, Barry. If you want to ask anything more specifically, feel free to do that. And if any of you have questions, make sure to, to ask us below. Um let's talk about the book of Enoch John. Sure. Um uh I think the first question is can Christians read the book of Enoch? Can we? Are we allowed to? Are we permitted to read? Absolutely. This think, apocryphal book.
1: I think we are. I, I think when you look at historically you have um Origen, uh Tertullian, mm-hmm. um highly J- Justin Martyr. Justin? Yeah, uh Justin Martyr uh, very uh, respected, uh, very much respected. This book. I kind of sound like Trump talking. Very respected. This book. Sorry. Uh,
0: they don't say this about me. That I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I
1: say. This. <laughs> no, no. I'm huge. not. I'm it not was a huge this. book. I'm not saying this. These these men are saying this. I'm not going to say that what they're saying is true, but but they would <laughs> say it's true. So uh, so yeah, I, it, it's a respected book um, from that perspective. It was obviously uh, respected enough. To reference yeah. at some level, uh, even though it's a minor level, uh, I think we can read that just like we read Oswald Chambers, just like we read, um, you know, the, the, you know, you think of his in church history. Um, I think it's important to say that there's a difference between something that's anointed and something that's inspired. Mm-hmm. OK, so what's inspired is done. Mm-hmm. The 66 books, it's inspired. It's God breathed it's done. It's closed. It's fully authoritative. Anything that you would bring alongside of that, that would be typically, um, sinners in the hands of an angry God, you know, masterful sermon, amazing sermon, shook a whole nation. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, definitely anointed, uh, some would even say inspired, um, but not, in like Big Eye inspired, right? Okay, so we we make a distinction: <laughs> Big Eye apostles, Little Eye yeah, apostles. Exactly. Big
0: Eye inspired, Little Eye inspired.
1: Exactly. So, <laughs> and, and I think it's important to make that distinction. I think I think to say there is nothing worth reading. Um, that I mean, for sure. Let me caveat this: This is all you ever need. Yeah. Period. This is it. But. I like the fact that the Holy Spirit has uh, given impressions or given insights or given um, illumination, I would say. this is revelation, okay this is this is God revealing himself to humanity in 66 books across thousands of years and many authors okay so but this is it. this is revelation. Then we have, Inspiration, which is as I was reading this text, we've all heard it in sermons. We're like, "Man, that that was a great point. I hadn't thought of that scripture that way." Yeah. Um, uh, so I, I think, and there,
0: when you're looking at like sinners in the hands of angry God, yeah. why revival theories, right. those kinds of things. Yeah. There is a slight difference between those things in the Book of Enoch because sure. the Book of Enoch is not saying, "Here are scriptures, and no, here, no, no. and let me put these scriptures together," because right. that's what those books are doing. Right. Those books are saying. God is mad. You are a sinner. Get right with God. He will not be mad.
1: Which you can find on your own without in scripture. it. Yeah. So, uh, the Book of Enoch is is interesting in that there are there are portions of it mm-hmm. that are reflective of uh, Daniel and Ezekiel and That's Revelation right. and other other portions of Scripture. If, if you read through it, I believe it it even. Uh, has a, a pretty messianic
0: push. Oh, very messianic
1: push. You know, it, it's got a lot of stuff in I, it now. I
0: would, I would argue that th- this book that existed 300 years before Jesus probably has more um, concrete prophecy about the Son of Man, mm-hmm. the Messiah, a pre incarnate, pre existent God, His Holy One. Yeah, yeah it's, it, it talks about, and I've got some verses in here that will reference, a. a a creature who existed before the earth comes down and is the messiah it it is some concrete stuff yeah.
1: and it's it's very bold now a lot of people would say the the way that it's written um, it because i I've, I've heard a lot of people say no this is this is a Gnostic you know gospel or a, a gnostic writing and this is this came after it there's no way historically. Yeah. That this came after. In in
0: fairness, there are three different Enochs. There are. So anytime someone is talking to you about Enoch, the book of Enoch, you should always request, you should like, oh, the book of Enoch is inspired. Your first question should be, whoop, lost camera. The first question should be, which Enoch? Which Enoch is inspired? Most of them do not realize that there are three different books of Enoch. First Enoch, which we call First Enoch, is the Ethiopian Enoch, which is the one that has historically has been consistent. There are two other books of Enoch that, that post-date Christianity, right? They are after the time of Jesus. Yeah. Both of those, I think by most scholarship, is not considered uh, the authoritative Enoch, right? So uh, um, as so, the first question, I think, is is can we read the book? And I think you answered the question. The early church fathers read the book um Jude and Peter reference the bu- the book and Jude directly quotes the book in chapters and verses 14 through 16 14 15 yeah yeah 14 and 15 um directly directly quotes the book so i think the first question is can we read it sure uh, i think paul read uh, Greek philosophy. He he read non-Christian poets. Uh, he read other things. He familiarized himself with the religions of that day. So there's nothing wrong with reading the book of Enoch. We're, we are not fundamentalist Christians that believe if you read uh, some pagan philosopher that the the demons in that book are going to come out lash on to you and your family and torment your children if you dwell uh, on it it might <laughs> yeah i mean if, if you if you practice anything right. yes yes um uh but if you are if you are educating yourself for the point for the purpose of uh converge, to convert uh, unbelievers i think again peter and jude are writing to a jewish audience right and they're they're apostles to the jews and they both reference the Book of Enoch, which again is a Jewish book, so they are ref- they are they're quoting something that would pull on their listeners' ears, something that their listeners already believe to be true. So, so uh, I think when you say why should we use the Book of Enoch, um, this would be my answer. Um, if there were a reason to read the Book of Enoch, I believe the reason to read it would be. To get your eyes into the Jewish lens so that when you're reading some of the scriptures uh, written to Jewish people, you can understand the context of not just the author, but the listener. What do these words mean potentially to his audience? Yes. Well, here's a book that kind of gets us in the heart, the mind, the theology, the philosophy of some of the Jewish people. And I'm not going to say totality of the Jewish people believe this. Um, uh, What are are your thoughts on that?
1: Uh, I would agree. Uh, Um, I I got a note here that says uh, uh, Irenaeus assigning the book of Enoch an authentically analogous of that of Mosaic literature affirms that Enoch, although a man, filled the office of God's messenger to the angels. Tertullian, who flourished at the close of the first and the beginning of the second century, whilst admitting that the scripture of Enoch, quote, uh, is not received by some because it is not included in the Hebrew canon, which would be the Old Testament. Um, or the first testament, I like to say, um, speaks of the author as the most ancient prophet Enoch, and the book as divinely inspired—a uh, divinely inspired autograph of the immortal patriarch, preserved by Noah in the ark. So there, <clears> there <throat> are again—we're we're still hundreds of years removed mm-hmm. from the oldest manuscript thousands of years removed from Enoch himself. So, uh, but, but at some level, um, certainly within the context of the, of, of the Jewish culture in which Christianity emerges out of. Um, it is a very highly respected book. I think it's, I think it's worth reading just like I think my utmost for his highest is worth reading. It, 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 it just like I think the pursuit of God by, by Tozer is worth reading um you know i read that uh but again as you were saying earlier enoch is is bringing some things although it echoes uh ezekiel and daniel and and isaiah and some of these other books that that have prophetic and messianic language um there's some stuff in it that is wholly only there and, th- and nowhere else in any part of the Bible.
0: That would answer some of the questions. Hayden and um, one other person, and now I can't scroll up. Hayden and Marzel both asked the question why is the book of Enoch not in the canon? Um, I think there are a couple of reasons that it's not in the canon. I think manuscripts is one. Uh, consistency is another. Um, uh, consistency between manuscripts. Um, th- the idea that it it was released during a period that Hebrews call the 400 years of darkness, mm-hmm. uh, which is believed that the last inspired words were delivered to malachi and after that there was a a cessation on some level of the spoken word of god it was like in the days of samuel it says there were there were the god spoke sparsely in that time right so they believe that there was a period of time that god did not speak or spoke less rarely less frequently yeah um and in that time this book emerges I think another thing that from is
1: from oral tradition, yes. when it was finally written down, it was written down in this intertestamental period.
0: So, so oral tradition, five thousand years, wrote down, three hundred B.C. So, I think that there is some concern about the legitimacy of the totality of the book that anyone could have come along and added to it. Uh, that that concerned some. Uh, I think again consistency, um, and unique revelation I think is something that is specific to this book, that there is so much unique revelation. Um, And this is actually some of the problems that I have about the book. I think this is kind of a good way to transition into that. I have a couple of, I I think are legitimate concerns, things that I like, things that I hate about the book of Enoch. Me too. Um, I'll start with the things that I like just so we don't hammer on everything. (laughs) Things that I like, I like a pre-incarnate Christ. There are very few places in the Old Testament that talk about a pre-incarnate Always existing God, we have mm-hmm. Isaiah. You've got a couple other verses. I like the fact that they reference a God who existed before all, who will judge all, and because He is the Messiah, will judge the nations yeah, and the be worshipped. Stuff is cool. I mean, God, this guy's going to be worshipped. That would make him God. There's so many references um, uh, like that. The the, the messianic. There's promises even a distinction like. in
1: it that where where it brings back the uh, the distinction between the judgment. Oh yeah, that God will render. The Father mm-hmm. that we know that that we we have scripture that that will break down the the different judgments. Those who are righteous will stand before the Son. That's right, and He will judge them. So there there's there's a lot.
0: There's there's a lot of like I said that, that's good stuff. Yeah, uh, I thought one of the good things that I read was the context of blood, and I, I remember, remember mentioning this to you yeah. on the phone. Yeah, that these giants, these angel human hybrids. Were these giant creatures who massacred? Once they ate everything that man could produce, they started eating men. They started eating animals with the blood in it. Um, and as a as a reference to some of this literature, it was illuminating to me a little bit because this would have been the first mention of people eating things with the blood in it, yes. and how angels taught sorcery and magic and divination, and how this was a demonic practice. So even at the New Testament, after the Levitical law had been fulfilled. Um, Paul is talking to Peter. They're discussing what should the Gentile. No, maybe it's Peter discussing with the divine, the, the Jerusalem Council. Um, either or. Yeah, no, um, it,
1: it is. They're saying what what do we put on these guys? Yeah, what, what do we force in? the Gentiles to right. do?
0: And they say take care of widows and orphans. Mm-hmm. Also, don't eat anything with blood in it. Yes, and I think that that's interesting that it's rooted into a demonic practice. Yes. Um, so I think I think those two things are are good. It's a very small list of things that I like. Okay. Um, there's a very large list of things that I do not like. Um, uh, I think it denies man's responsibility. I think that it makes man not the focus of the fall, and I think it makes the demonic forces the focus of the fall. Yeah. It makes them responsible for sexual immorality. It makes them responsible for witchcraft. It makes them uh, responsible for uh, uh, violence and war. It makes them, uh, like, literally, you go down the list of sins, these angels taught men how to do those things, yes. taught women how to put on makeup and seduce men, taught, mm-hmm. taught. I mean, it, it, everything that could be immoral was taught by these angels. So, so I don't really like that so much because I think it denies personal responsibility. Um, the second thing I really don't like is how, that the and angels are hearing the prayers of the saints and delivering them to God. One mediator. That, that they act as this mediator and and i think christ is the intermediary between god and man yeah um that's another thing i don't like i know we've got nine minutes we really could have discussed this maybe we'll do another episode on some of these nitty-gritty things sure if you guys want it post it say hey we need another episode you didn't address enough um demons are disembodied spirits of the nephilim i think this is again convenience um and finally angels over there are overseeing angels over repentance yeah over tribulation and over everything that is powerful. Yeah. There are these angels who manifest and distribute repentance to the nation. And I have, I issue, have such issues with that.
1: I have issues with, uh, the Bible references by name to angels.
0: Oh yeah. Well, that's Gabriel a big and one. Michael.
1: Yeah. Uh, Enoch references, uh, Uriel, Raphael, uh, Raguel and Sarah Kiel. Um, and and these are angels who preside over different things so it also references Gabriel and Michael um but, but I, i've got attributes. an issue with that because there's so much in the charismatic pentecostal realm oh, yeah. of which i are but i got issues <laughs> with
0: uh, the angel of this the angel of that the I, spirit I of do. this i really too, do i really
1: do and and i'm not saying that that it, that it I want to tread very carefully here. I don't dismiss people who discuss things that in terms of their experiential uh, relationship with the Holy Spirit. But, you know, I went to heaven and I saw the angel of hail or I saw the angel of fire or yeah. I saw the angel, you know, the uh, elemental angels. Uh, I saw the angel of prosperity. I saw the angel of body parts who uh, is responsible for... the And again, I'm not saying... That's heresy. I'm just saying, I don't see that anywhere in the scripture. That's and the importance. So, because
0: again, you're ta- you're you know, elevating your revelation. You're, Paul said this. For those of you who have these angelic visitations, these divine throne room encounters, I'm not saying they can't happen. Right. What I am saying is that Paul saw things that were unlawful for him to speak of, and he didn't speak of them.
1: So maybe some of your revelations shouldn't be a book.
0: Shouldn't be a series, so just shut your mouth.
1: Shouldn't be part of a <laughs> brand new revelatory thing because you saw something that you may or may not be allowed to talk about. And I don't know. I this
0: mean, this is my greatest problem. I'm and not you judging. See it in all of the Gnostic gospels yeah. and all the apocryphal gospels, is that you will see the author uh, or authors or whoever they may be adding information that everybody wants to know.
1: Yeah. I, when I was reading this, I was like, man, this sounds like somebody who sat up. One night and said, you know, we need a good book on the story of Enoch because there's only a few verses that yeah. even mention him. So let's blow out this whole narrative and this whole story and write this. And that's part of why I think some stuff wasn't allowed uh, by by more scholarly men and, and thinkers in the early church. It's like, no, we're not we're not going to bring this in. That was decided well before oh, yeah. the, the early church canonized the entire Bible. They basically took what was already existing in the Hebrew Scriptures and added it to what they collected as writings in the New Testament, but this was not part of the Old Testament canon.
0: If you were going to write a book about the Gospels, right? like let's, the book of Thomas, if you were going to write a book about Jesus and you were really trying to prove that he was the Son of God, that he rose from the dead, what parts of the story would you want to tell the most? the resurrection yeah, absolutely. right absolutely. Well, but but the Gospels don't really talk about the resurrection you just see after the resurrection you see Jesus hanging out in the garden and Mary showing up yeah and don't touch me wait but, but what about the good part what about the part where he descended into the earth and the right. part where he comes out of the tomb and the light and the, well there's nobody there to tell the story right but you look at the book of Thomas and if you're gonna write a really good novel, you yep. write the part where he wins. Yep. You you in great detail talk about how the stone rolled away and light emitted from the tomb and he walked out in glory and might yeah. and, and the book of Thomas in great detail And none of the other this. gospel writers none mention of the other ones that, because they weren't there and they so didn't have authority to speak on it. They write on eyewitness stuff. And I think the book of Enoch or, or conveniently does that.
1: Or they're interviewing Sure. Know, I think Luke went back and sure. interviewed. Absolutely. I think I think he absolutely interviewed Mary. I think he interviewed absolutely. the disciples. I think yeah. he
0: got first hand. He said some of those who've already fallen asleep. Yeah. So he was looking for all of the eyewitnesses yes. and yes. found that a lot of them had died. Yes. So so uh, yeah, he's definitely interviewed these people absolutely. But as we, I would want
1: to write a, a, a gospel or or something, some type of. Uh, apocryphal writing. If, if I could write something, I would want to write on the 50 days and all the details oh, yeah. of everything that Jesus downloaded to the Absolutely. disciples after the resurrection. Well, guess what? That would be horrible because Acts didn't see fit to do that. Yeah. Neither did any of the Gospels. So a lot of that stuff is, it, we, just, we just leave it for a time. Guys, recognize this. One very, very important thing. You are going to be in the presence of God if you are if you have put your faith and hope and trust in Jesus Christ and ask him to forgive your sins and you have made him Savior and Lord of your life, you are going to be face-to-face with him, with every person that's ever existed in history, with every person that was ever part of writing the canon of Scripture. You're going to get all your questions answered. We don't necessarily have to have those things this side of glory. So let's just slow up a little bit about how fast we slap a... A logo on this, put it in a lunchbox, and profit on it, as Scripture says we shouldn't yeah. do.
0: And I think I think that there is a, a a legitimate concern that these angelic beings that you mentioned, those eight yeah. names or seven names Certainly. or whatever they are, um, two of which are named in Scripture. Yeah, they they conveniently embody manifestations of Greek. Uh, Egyptian or pagan gods that this is the God of righteousness. This is the God of tribulation. This is the God of X, Y, and Z. And these angels preside over this authority of X, Y, and Z, where again, throughout the scriptures, there is no specificity of what they do outside of Michael seems to fight a couple times and Gabriel delivers messages. And that's not to say that they couldn't interchange those. It's not to say that Michael couldn't deliver a message or that Gabriel couldn't fight. Um, it's only to say that we see them doing this regularly. Right. Um, so as we approach um, the book of Enoch, just be aware that it conveniently answers all of the questions about the supernatural. Now, some would say, well, obviously that's why it needs to be in the canon. I would say, maybe that's why it's not in the canon. Exactly. Maybe, maybe the reason that there's so much unique revelation that goes and expounds so much on these specific angelic things, I, I have seen... If, and you could probably reference this because you've done church history, and especially in the Pentecostal charismatic movement, that when people start going after angels, they start quoting angel, angels, and and this revelation and that angel came to me and spoke to me and this thing and that thing, and they start referencing Enochian tradition. You could you can set your watch by how long it's going to take that dude to fall, oh, or yeah. that or that lady to fall. Yeah. Um. You 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 can almost set your watch when people start getting their eyes off of I was Jesus. Just, yeah,
1: I was just going to say that because in in church today. Guys, Gnostics have been around for a long, long time. They're yeah. in the church today. You, you'll hear. You know, we have special revelation. Come to our conference. You know, <laughs> or or get this book with with unique information that God gave me in a dream or a vision. I, listen again. Not judging, but super sketch for me. Oh, like yeah. super sketch for me, because it better it it better be in this book and what you quote-unquote are offering as a resource is a very highly accurate condensed version of what I can find in here already by myself. But if you're bringing me something that I don't see anywhere from even contents to maps, I'm really not interested in it, no so, matter
0: how cool it is. Again, just kind of recap on the Book of Enoch. Can Christians read it? is yes. Should Christians read it? Or, or, or why should Christians read it? That might be a better... Why should Yeah. yeah. The why should, if you were going to read it, I think it would help you understand the Jewish perspective on some of these topics so that when Jesus is answering questions about angels and demons, when Jude and Peter are referencing them, um, that you know what they're referencing and who they're addressing, their Jewish audience. Um, So again, I think that you could read the book to maybe better understand the Jewish framework, but not to take those scriptures as authority and move it over into the scriptures and commit what theologians called eisegesis, where we read a concept and we try to read that concept into the text. Well, homosexuality was a sin. That's what the Bible says. But in that day, homosexuality really was um, old men molesting little boys and then reading that into the text opposed to allowing the text to speak for itself and pull truth out of it. So so some would read the book of Enoch and commit what we call eisegesis and say, oh, this is what they believed, therefore this is what it means, and read that into the text. I think that would be a dangerous thing to do. I think that you could read the book of Enoch to understand the framework and to say that this is what Peter, this is what Jude is referencing uh, to help, uh, really, again, just to understand the Jewish context. That's the yeah. best advice that I can give for it. Yeah, absolutely. And Absolutely. then point you to other guys who are more knowledgeable about it than I am. <laughs> exactly. Which is Michael Heiser. Go oh, look yes, it up.
1: go look it up. Although this show is the definitive answer yeah. on everything. On everything. Basically, it's everything. like for New Testament. You Basically, know, we're except two just, just under canon. No, just canon. Under? An- another.
0: If, uh, if we're going to joke satire, we yeah, got to be bold equal. about it. No, no, horribly.
1: No. Okay, so it looks like a couple things. We've got a bunch of thumbs up on expanding this
0: they want another show
1: maybe we'll talk uh more just on angelic stuff and maybe reference some modern day things or or maybe talk about you know revelation versus illumination versus modern day writings and and would paul quote you know tozer or you know any other prolific Uh, prolific, you know, Bill Johnson or any of those guys, you know, I think, I think uh, there's some good stuff there, but I'm, but I'm wanting to see it in scripture. Uh, Definitely want to take that um, approach to uh, taking another show. We've got a lot of requests. Uh, Chad says, always ask what to do with the revelation. I would agree with you, Chad, my brother. Um, I think there's, there is stuff that, that God wants to um, give us and show us. But again, um, not specifically to reference you, Chad, but but just in general, I think we need to adopt the terminology illumination versus yeah. revelation because revelation makes it seem like something extra-biblical. Illumination keeps it within the context of what has already been revealed. Right. And I think that's—words are—they <laughs> matter. That's, and that's right. That's part of why we're here. So, uh, also— um, Words matter. Uh, uh, Josh, here's a question for you. Rick Joyner in 2018 spoke about the end time army of the greater works, signs and wonders generation, referencing to the remnant um, and supported out of the book of Enoch. Do you see that in Enoch?
0: Um, I'm going to have to study that up uh, and look and reference that and then, and then discuss that with you. Um, I am not a scholar on the book of Enoch. I've read it twice once was this week. Um, and I wasn't actually able to finish all of it. I got about three-fourths of the way through. We have VBS every night, so I stay up late, wake up early to read this. I did um, And, yeah, so uh, I've read it twice, and, and at that, have not been super thorough with it. I do have concerns and conditions about it, but, um, yeah, man, I'll, I'll, I'll read into it. I'll look up what Rick Joyner said in 2018, Uh, If you can send me the link, you can toss it in here or message me privately uh, and I'll go check that out for sure and try to answer you either privately or publicly. If you guys have more questions, we've got to wrap the show up, but if you have more questions, even after this video is live, dump them in the comment section and we'll try to address it in the next video. Absolutely. Let me know, what do you want us to do the next video on? Would you like us to do... Uh, Book of Enoch, would you like us to talk more about what the Bible says about angels and demons? Um, Those kinds of things. Be specific with your questions so that we can... Most of our shows on Mondays are inviting people onto the show to discuss what they want to discuss. Um, this is a great opportunity for us to answer questions that you have. So it's a little bit different. Be specific with your questions so that we know how to frame the show.
1: And next week is going to be an interesting, uh, episode. I am. It might uh, be real interesting. It might be very interesting. You might just have Josh. Uh, we're going to try something, uh, which, which will actually, if this works, it will, uh, greatly expand remnant radio's capacity of having, uh, other guests who can't make it into the studio. We're going to be um, FaceTiming, Skyping, whatever. From, video chatting. Uh, in. Yes, video chatting. Uh, I'm going to be in Colorado delivering my daughter to the Axe uh, school, school of, of, ministry, of yeah. ministry. And uh, she's going to be going <laughs> uh, overseas for five, six months. And uh, I'm driving her up to Colorado Springs. So I'm going to be up there and I'll be phoning in. Which is be really early for me because, you know, I got to get up a whole extra two hours ahead of time because I need an hour to pray and get spiritual and have (laughs) God give me the things that that I want to (laughs) say. And then the time difference. So. You're not
0: mocking prayer. I just, I'm for not, those of you who are watching. No,
1: I'm not mocking prayer. Hey guys, prayer.
0: thank you so much for for watching. We're going to wrap up the show. I know there's a few of you still watching the program. Let's go another hour. Can, can I ask you to do this for me? Do me a favor. We're really trying to upgrade our equipment. We're using cell phones to produce this show, okay? Uh, we, we need right around 1000 thousand twelve hundred $1,200 to finally upgrade everything that we have. We'd love to do that before August because we were going to the 818 conference. So if you liked this ministry, it blessed you. Help us out. Donate. Go to our website, com, uh, and you can donate there. It would be a huge blessing. We love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you guys next week. Yes, we absolutely will. See you next week. Be blessed. Love you